Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And guys, you probably know by now we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Listeners, we've got some very exciting news to share with you. Eric, would you like to share the news with our listeners? Would you say that this is the first true Hoosier Hysterics breaking news? Yes, in regards to our podcast. We have officially joined forces with the gold standard of Indiana University Athletics News, Pigs.com. From this moment on, Hoosier Hysterics is powered by Pigs.com. All of our podcasts will be through the Pigs podcast platform. You will see us on the front page of Pigs.com when we release a new episode. We will be on the message boards. We will have Mike, Ken, Jeff all uh, supporting us. We are extremely excited about this. Ward, how often do you check Pigs a day? Morning. Yep. While pooping. (laughs) Yep. And then certainly before bed. That's minimum. That's yeah. on just like a, a, a normal day where I have stuff to do. I check Pigs so much that when I go to the address bar now to type in the address, I don't know why I still type in addresses. I have it as a favorite, sure. but I do. I don't even have to get to P before it fills in Pigs. <laughs> it just knows, oh, Eric is typing in an address. He's going to Pigs.com. Well, you were the one who originally turned me on to Pigs. Uh, a few seasons back, you'd been following it, I think, since the inception of the internet. <laughs> yes. And I just wondered, you've accomplished a lot in your life. You've graduated from Indiana University. You have uh, have three beautiful children, many successful, uh, cool jobs in the television industry. But this is it, right? This is, this the, is the... There is no greater honor than Peaks giving us the official stamp of approval and bringing us into the family... I can't wait till we do Thanksgiving at Mike's house. Uh, I believe Jeff is going to have a weekly brunch with us. Will Brian be there? I've, I've always wanted to spend know. the holidays with, with Brian. Brian. With the yeah. snows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Drew Davis is like, we're going to do morning runs now. Uh, but in all honesty, 
it is the best po- it is the best website that exists. I'm not talking best sports website. It is the best website that exists. If anyone is listening to this has any interest in Indiana basketball news, recruiting news, analysis of games, just anything about Indiana, you have to go to Peaks. If you have you, to subscribe. If you want to get uh, varied opinions from hardcore Hoosiers all over the globe, get into those premium forums. Yes. You're going to get opinions that vary, that are informed, that are intelligent, and often just as crazy and irrational as our own. Yes, I was going to say all of that and the opposite. You get it all in the message boards. We couldn't be happier to be with pigs.com. Uh, we couldn't be happier to be with Mike, Drew, Ken, Jeff, the whole team. It's going to be really fun. We hope this just gets our podcast out to more Indiana crazies, more Hoosier hysterics like us. They are our audience. That That is where the hardcore of hardcore live. And when we go and talk to an Indiana player, like we're about to for over an hour and a half, you better be serious about your Indiana basketball. And so there's no better website on the planet to find that audience. I'm also just happy that both you and my father have now, you now have your own accounts. Yeah. yeah. And you're not just stealing it. Like L- lurking as yeah. E. Pankowski. Exactly. Actually, I take that back. My dad is still stealing it. Oh, Wally, yeah. come on. The best is when my dad, I know he's waiting to post something as my name. <laughs> does I know he it. downvote people? He probably the- does. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's get on with today's podcast because it's a special one. And let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of Hoosier Nation, yes, we have another very special guest this evening. Eric, would you like to uh, lay out this man's accomplishments? We are very excited to have our guest today. He is the most contemporary of guests that we've had on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast so far. (laughs) He led his Cathedral High School team to the 4A state title game. He was elected to first team All-City. He played his AAU ball with Eric Gordon All-Stars. We'll get into that a little bit. This gentleman, and everybody who's a Hoosier fan this year, please listen to this. This gentleman shot 47.5% from the three-point line as a sophomore, which ranked second in the Big Ten, and also that year. He was 14th in blocks in the Big Ten (laughs) Conference. He is the two-time Indiana Big Ten sportsman honoree, and... Maybe uh, most importantly, because I have a sense from everything I've read about this wonderful, wonderful former player, is that he cares more about team success than individual accolades, helped lead Indiana to the Big Ten Championship, and o- which was only its second Big Ten title in 14 years, and a trip to the Sweet 16, which is as far as Indiana has gotten in the NCAA tournament since, well, probably since most people are alive. So... And, and beat Kentucky along the way, yes. making it that much more sweet. And we will get into all that. Please welcome Hoosier Nation, Colin Hartman. <laughs> uh, Thanks, fellas. You guys could have shortened that up. <laughs> no, 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 man. We're going to hit all the accolades. We lay it on thick here. Oh, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, so, Colin, that's uh, that's what we're going to be discussing a lot of, but we always like to find out what's going on with you right now, where you're at, where you're living, what's going on with the job. Uh, so I live on, uh, I'm just moved to the south side of Indianapolis by like 37 towards, uh, had to get closer to my new territory. I'm doing pharmaceutical sales down in, uh, Bloomington territory. So, um, yeah, just 
getting acclimated to the real world. <laughs> so welcome. I, welcome. I got to ask, Colin. So you're doing pharmaceutical sales in Bloomington, where obviously you can't walk anywhere with people not knowing who you are. You ever, <laughs> have you done this pitch yet? Have you walked into an office and said, hey, uh, you want an autograph on that bottle of Lipitor? <laughs> no, but I think I might try that. Yeah. One. Well, how often do you get clients who just want to geek out about IU basketball like we do when you're just really trying to get the job done? Well, um, see, there's a fine, there's a fine line for there. Um, up until now, I've been doing uh, financial advising, so I definitely got that um, on that side of things. But I've I've just done a couple field field rides because I've been doing five weeks of training. Um, and education and everything like that just because of the medications that I have in my bag. I have to know the ins and outs and how the body works and everything like that. So it's been a very in-depth study time for for me. But um, I did go on a ride along where I did sign a couple autographs because yes. every doctor's office that I go into, they have at least one patient waiting room that is filled. It's like a dedicated IU room. Yes. IU memorabilia. <laughs> I eat everything, and he was like, uh, come back here. And so we went in there, and he pulled out this ball that was signed by Coach Knight and all these other great players. I was like, do you really want me to devalue that ball? <laughs> I will. I'll do it if you want to, but I <laughs> ain't getting anything out of it. <laughs> I, I also can imagine that at some point you're going to start finding memorabilia that you can give to these uh, offices to kind of sweeten yeah. the deal a little bit. And like in a couple years, you're just going to be like, oh, this was the napkin that Thomas Bryant wiped his brow with when we won the game against Kentucky. Like you're just going to have to make stuff up. Now I'll, I'll start making stuff up. Yeah. That's well, funny. One thing I want to jump into real quick with you now working uh, after basketball in the state of Indiana, when – recruits especially from the state of indiana or without are looking at the future and not everybody gets to play basketball for for a decade or 15 years after they leave iu and they have to figure out what their career is going to be have you seen a real advantage to going to iu and what opportunities that gave you once you left the basketball scene 100%. And that was premeditated, you know, and part of the decision process, decision making process to go to IU. Um, and just getting that background and getting the familiarity. Obviously, I planned on staying in Indiana. Um, it's funny because there would be several conversations that I have with people and I'm wearing a suit or something. I'll say, hey, my name's Colin, introduce myself, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it'll be halfway through the conversation. They'll look at me twice and be like, what's your last name? like Colin Hartman, and then it clicks. You can literally just see a light bulb go off in their head. And it's comical because, you know, I I like kind of being, you know, incognito normal person a lot of times um, and just letting people find out. I'm never all – I'm never like, hey, I'm Colin Hartman, played Indiana basketball. I let them figure it out because it's a lot more comical for both parties when it clicks for them. Yeah, um, uh, except you're 6'6". Six, six. Right. But, I mean, what, they think they tall, just got I'm a... just another tall white guy. Yeah, I'm I mean, just another tall white it's, guy. There's it's, a lot of us. It's true. Eric and I, we grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Indiana. But now we've been in L.A. forever, and we forget that a 6'5 dude is not that uncommon back in the cornfields. Right. I was 
I was definitely um, undersized for my position. That's for sure. Well, we're going to get into that. Many <laughs> positions. What was your yeah, position? I know. We will there get was into four that. of them. I do have to ask one more question about the pharmaceutical sales. Is it safe to say that on any given day in your bag that you are carrying, you could at one time kill a person with the uh, pills in your bag and also give them an erection that lasted 72 hours? I can do neither. I don't, I don't Well... Maybe severe dehydration or something like okay. that. I think I could, I think I could get killed, but I can't do anything with the the sex stuff. The sex stuff. <laughs> I can't help you there. No, that's that's when you get into the big bucks, though. People will pay anything for that. Oh yeah. I I, oh, yeah. I I recently got with Propecia. You can you hook me up there? Is that it's like a it's like a dollar <laughs> a dollar a day? I feel like it's reasonable. Ward's got a nice head. Is it hair. worth it? We'll see. Is it worth it? We'll see. I just started. I like noticed. You know, the stress of this last summer started to take hold on top of my head. I was like, I need oh. I need pharmaceuticals immediately. But the doctor said it's going to be at least three months before we can tell if it's working. Ah, uh, one of them things. Yeah. So let's take a step back <laughs> before I even want to talk about before you even made the decision to come to IU. We want to talk about how you got to the state of Indiana. Okay. So can you walk us through going way back when you where you were born, where you grew up, and then when you came to Indiana? I was born in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. Um, grew up a football fan, grew up a football player, Cornhusker fan. Um, didn't really care much about basketball. Um, and then I moved to Indiana in second grade. My parents got divorced when I was really young. Moved to Indiana in second grade. Moved in with my uncle. Um, and then my uncle and my mom started teaching me basketball and obviously I was more built for basketball than I was football. Um, and then ever since then, I just, basketball has been, was, was my love and it's what I did and was what I was best at. Um, and it just came natural to me. Um, but yeah, is that's in, in a nutshell, that's really it. Well, uh, we would like to point out that your mother was an Indiana All-Star in high school, yep. as as were you there at Rushville, and played for both Butler and Nebraska. So what what was her influence on you as a player? Like, did mom take you out to the driveway and really coach you up in the early days? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Um, and she's in, she's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, um, so that's cool, too. Wow. Um, yeah, she's got more accolades than I do, I think. But... <laughs> I don't know. She's she's kind of bitter. She well, she's not bitter, but she's like, I, she thinks I have a leg up at the on the IU thing. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of between my uncle and um, my mom. Uh, they really were the cornerstones of my athletic, you know, career. Not that I'm a crazy athlete, but I was able to develop those skills um, in the driveway literally every day. Uh, we had these. My uncle had this asphalt, um, black tar asphalt driveway, um, and we'd come in in the evenings, and our hand would be just black as black can be just because the ball um, made our hands super, super dirty. And um, But, yeah, it was just it, it was very, very, very humble um, beginnings and everything of that nature. So it was, um, it was fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So Ward and I talk a lot about uh, – Ward is from Peru, Indiana. I am from St. Louis, Missouri, but my dad grew up in Gary in East Chicago, Indiana. My parents m met at Indiana. And we often okay. talk about how – you know, and everybody talks about it, that in 49 other states it's basketball. 
Right. But this is Indiana. Right. When you coming from Nebraska and being a football fan, obviously you have you know your connection to your mom and and your uncle. But did you even as a kid, you know maybe when you got into middle school and high school, especially high school, did you when did you start to sense that oh basketball here is different? This is this is something that I'm not used to. Um, I don't know because I, I guess I didn't really know any different. Um, I think that I really didn't see that basketball was different here until I got into until I committed to IU mm-hmm. quite candidly. Um, that's when, I mean, I gained a bunch of followers on Twitter, like overnight after I committed and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, people started recognizing me. Um, and it was weird. Um, it's really weird. Uh, people could be my father and my grandfather. Um, but it is definitely a different world here in basketball. I'm over here at training right now with a bunch of people from all over the country for my company. And, um, it's funny cause they like looked, they had no clue who I was obviously. Um, they're from all over the country and I don't tell people who I am. I just want to be, you know, normal in certain situations. And they looked at my Instagram or whatever. And I have a lot in some people's eyes, a lot of followers. Um, and, um, then they're like, wait, who are you? You know, like, who, who are you? And I was like, I was like, I, I played basketball at any university and they're like, well, so, and I was like, it's different. <laughs> it's different. And like, we were talking about, you know, getting in to see doctors and being able to have extended conversation with doctors and stuff like that. They don't like, it was hard for them to wrap their brain around it if they've never been around basketball. Cause some people here are familiar with, you know, who I am and you know what I did and they looked me up and blah, blah. They understand that it's different in Indiana. Cause uh, one of my friends is from Chicago and he, you know, is very familiar with it. Um, and he was like, yeah, I mean, it's just, they eat, sleep and breathe it down in Indiana. And it's just hard for people that are outside Indiana to wrap their, you know, their brain around that Indiana, we don't have anything else to do. <laughs> we <laughs> so, just, we love basketball. It's, so, it's, it's the way it is. Well, and when you were, okay, you were being indoctrinated with the, the, the Hoosier hysteria at the grassroots level, kids playing in their driveways up through high school. But what you were not really alive when Indiana was having real success at the highest level, a very right. elite program. R- so, real quick, what year did you move to Indiana? I don't know. I was in second grade. I have no clue what year I moved to Indiana. It's like <laughs> mid-late 90s, somewhere in there. Yeah. So, well, so, I was born in 94. All okay. right, so you're second grade, so you're seven years old, about. You re- you might remember the finals run. But the do you O2 remember team. that? Yeah. The O2 team. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, it, by the time you were getting your bearings, Indiana basketball had not been "quote unquote" elite for a while. So, right. so as we get into your high school career and talk of recruitment, like it, as as you're getting to that stage of your life, is the the lure and the legend of Indiana University a big deal yet, or is it just that everybody loves basketball everywhere at every level? Um, at, at what point in time? Oh, like, I, I guess up until the point, cause you said you really felt the difference when you committed to IU, but prior right. to that was the idea of IU being this great prestigious program, something you were aware of something that you cared about. 
Um, I was aware of it. My my mom obviously grew up IU fan. My uncle grew up an IU fan. My grandfather grew up an IU fan. Um, basically the whole family. Um, but they never really like portrayed it onto me, because um, I was looking at a bunch of different schools at that you know growing up and um, didn't even think about really recruitment until you know freshman year. So I didn't know necessarily that it was a whole lot different. I know they had five banners and, um, you know, whatever, but I never understood the magnitude at which people cared about it. And I really didn't understand how hard it was to get five championships. Yeah. Uh, we, we're older than you. We know how hard it is to get one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just, I did not understand what it meant um, back then, no, I didn't. So then you start excelling in, in high school. You, uh, you really start leading your team to some success. You're starting to have some personal success, and you start hitting the recruiting services lists and the rankings. When did that start to change for you bef between you know just being a basketball player and now, oh, now I've got a decision to make. I'm going to play Division One basketball. When when does it ever kind of click that I need to take this a lot more serious, or did were you serious the second you got into high school? Uh, eighth grade's when I had to take it more serious. Um, that's when Coach Crean and Coach Painter and all of them started talking or looking at me, and um, I started getting attention from that. Um, and so eighth grade, you know, that's when I started taking it very seriously um, and really honing in on you know, not just looking at it as a game, looking at it as an avenue to, you know, build a foundation for the rest of my future. All right. So then Coach Crean calls you. Right. Or, or what is your first interaction that you remember with Coach Crean? Uh, probably him coming, um, no, me going down to a game and just, you know, meeting him. Um and then obviously I have obviously early high school stuff with him coming to watch uh, practices and stuff like that in games. Um, I don't know. It was a weird recruitment just because um, they started very, very early, but it was kind of from afar um, just because I was so young. <laughs> they had right. a lot of other people to look at at that point in time. Um, but in eighth grade and freshman year, it really was like, all right, I need to hone in and be an adult and grow up and, you know, see this as an opportunity and not just a game, um, which there's pros and cons to, to that approach. But, um, yeah. So when you first met coach cream, the suntan level, were we at a 10? Were we at an eight? <laughs> how, how, how bronzed were we at that time? Man, that was like 10 years ago. I don't remember that. Yeah, uh, let me tell you something. I remember the first time I saw him. It yep. was at a 10. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, and, and the one time I saw him, I was trying to get into Cook Hall on a Sunday when it was closed, and he came jogging up. I was back visiting with my family. So he had the normal red going, but he'd also been jogging. So I was actually afraid that he, he, might, he might need explode. medical attention. Yeah, He might need some of those pharmaceuticals <laughs> that Colin is selling. Man. So I want to I wanna go to... Um, for a moment, you played with Eric Gordon All-Stars, I think your last year in AAU, is that correct? Yeah. Did you ever meet Eric Gordon? Did he talk to you at all about Indiana? I mean, obviously, he had a much different uh, experience in his one year right. in Indiana than, than what you were about to embark on. But any relationship there? Yeah, EJ is awesome. Um, I actually saw EJ out in Vegas this summer, and um, 
And then when I was on the team, he was around enough um, to kind of develop a relationship. He's a really cool, down-to-earth, really humble dude. Um, He doesn't, you know, he's not above anybody or anything like that. So, um, obviously, we have the IU connection. So, anytime that I see him, it's always, um, hey, what's up? How's everything going? You know, blah, blah, blah. He's had a very successful career. Um, But he never really swayed any of us on the team one way or another ever um because he was at sorry go ahead. i was just gonna say by the time you played for him i think you had already committed oh yeah right? i yeah. was already locked in right. i committed sophomore year yeah now i had heard maybe read recently that he still follows iu quite closely and i actually was at the same bar in la that he was with a bunch of other alums watching when the watch shot happened against kentucky and I was, I was, he was on the Clippers then. So is he, he still, you know, really follows the program. Do you guys communicate at all about how the team's doing? Um, he does follow the program. I know that, um, he's invested still. Um, but I don't really reach out to EJ a whole lot. Um, I probably should more, um, but it was good seeing him this summer and everything like that. And I got his new phone number. Um, but I, I mean, I haven't texted him, so I, no, just, I probably should do that more often. Yeah, just go ahead and give us the number on the air. So we, you, <laughs> you know, know I'll, I'll run that by him first. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> so I, I want to just take we're, – we're now up to the point where you're getting ready to commit, but I want to provide a little context because in doing some research for this, I, I remember when you committed. I remember it very clearly. I'm living in Los Angeles, but I remember the day you committed. But I also remember it because – it was part of a stretch of time where there were there was an unbelievable run of commitments to Indiana University bonkers cream bonkers and just to yeah. put it in context cuz it may you i don't know if you have a full picture of exactly what all was happening at this time now that it's 9 years later basically that since you committed but yeah. here here is the run on August 9th 2010 Peter Jerkin commits to Indiana Six days later, Ron Patterson from the class of 2012, both Jerkin and Patterson, class of 2012, commit to Indiana. Uh, would you just say that I did a good job not laughing when you said Peter Jerkin? You did. You Thank did. You. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It is a hard name not to laugh at. Uh, then, about two weeks after Patterson commits, James Blackman Jr. commits for a future class on September 3rd. Three weeks later, another fellow five star in the same class, Trey Lyles, commits to Indiana University. A month later, Hannah Perea from the class of 2012 commits to Indiana. Then, on November 11th, the single biggest commitment in Tom Crean's run as coach, Cody Zeller commits to Indiana. Then, 10 days later, Colin Hartman and Devin Davis, on the same day, commit to Indiana. And we're going to get into that commitment. Then, four days after you commit, Yogi commits for the class of 2012. And then several months later after that, Jeremy Hollowell commits. But you are talking about a run of eight or nine high-end Indiana kids committing to the program. Yeah. You were part of this unbelievable wave. Did any just can you put us in that in your mindset when that was happening and what was what you were thinking exactly at that moment about the future of Indiana and what you were a part of? Yeah, take us up through through the moment and the story of your commitment because we've 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 read a little bit about it. It sounds cool. Yeah, so um, obviously I played basketball with Devin Davis a lot against him growing up, um, and then together 
um, the, our last year of AAU with EG10. Um, but we had visited a few games um, and we were always friends and competitors throughout high school. And um, we were at a game there and the um, we won that game and Devin and I were kind of talking and my mom and, and Devin Sr. And um, we were just talking and um, I, I, it was it was weird because we were talking about doing it and then we end up leaving and um, we me and my mom and um, I think it was just me and my mom yeah me and my mom left and we were uh, we weren't even in Martinsville yet I don't think um, we we're out by that marathon gas station north of Bloomington so we were driving up towards Martinsville and I was like mom I think I want to commit and this is the funny part so. A couple weeks earlier, um, my mom had we had visited Purdue. Oh, why? Well, (laughs) well, they they I'll be honest. In their defense, in Coach Painter's defense, um, they did a great job at recruiting me. A phenomenal job. They put me with Robbie Hummel when he was killing it. I mean, they had a great team. They wanted to, you know, put me on the Robbie Hummel track. He was a lottery pick in that point in time. You know projected lottery pick blah 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 before he got hurt and i mean they were a good team etuan moore juan johnson they were stacked they were stacked stacked. it it pains us to admit any of that but we yeah we we understand they were good they had a good they did they did a good job um (laughs) um (laughs) um, but um it was a couple weeks prior to this i had gone and visited and um i was like kind of same thing i was like we were out to visit and i kind of pulled my mom's i was like mom, I think I want to commit. And she was like, now, honey, let's just, <laughs> let's think about this and take our time. Okay. You're young. It's sophomore year. Just take your time. We have a lot of time. I was like, okay. Okay. When I told her this in the car on the drive home, we had already left. So on the drive home, I was like, Hey mom, I think I want to commit. She's like, all right, turn around, call your uncle, call your grandpa. <laughs> We're going IU. <laughs> Your mom is the real hero in this story. <laughs> yeah, she's a dark horse, but <laughs> so you didn't know. You didn't text. No, like, wait, you didn't text Devin at that moment. Did you? Was there any communication with Devin uh, at that oh, yeah. time? Oh yeah, I told Devin I was going back, and and we went in and told him, and bang bang, we were both committed. Wait, it you was, you went in together. You and Devin went in together. Yeah, me and, and Devin were because Devin stayed. Right. Um, and Devin and I were texting. I was like, "Bro, I'm coming back. I'm committing." And he's like, "All right, I'm doing it too." And so they pulled the trigger, and bang, bang, back to back. And can you put a point on that that moment, the thought that said, "Yeah, I'm in," or was it just a feeling? You you had all the information. Did the feeling just overtake you at that point? The feeling it, it was it was a big feeling because you know the movement with all the 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 committing and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if I wanted to be a part of Indiana basketball, returning to what people had told me that it had been, um, like you said, I'd never experienced it, never lived it, but I knew I wanted to be a part of a part of it if it was going to return. You know, I want to be part of a legacy, and I wanted to be like you said have be able to stay in indiana and have name recognition and be able to represent the state that i lived in you know to the best of my ability um so i mean that's it's a big big reason it, i was like overwhelmed and it was 
unbelievable feeling. I uh, just felt right, you know. It's it's awesome. I have to ask you because, you know, in I don't know how closely you still follow, if you ever followed, but if you follow now the recruitment process for you know prospects that Indiana is looking at. And clearly, yeah. Keon Brooks is a guy that we're all talking about and waiting with bated breath for his decision. But <laughs> right. the recruitment um, of a player is such a dark, mysterious thing because obviously coaches can't talk about it while it's happening. And rarely right. even after do they ever talk about what happened in the process but I, and right. what kids are thinking. I'm curious. I mean, let's just be honest. Indiana sucked when you were being recruited. I mean, we were awful. We were the, the year before you committed, we were 10 and 21 and 4 and 14 in the Big Ten. And then yeah. you go to visit, and the game you visited, we played at Assembly Hall. We played Boston University and lost. I we didn't lost even know that Boston. Game? Yeah, we lost. I didn't even know Boston University had a basketball team. And we lost to them. But, but what you just said is what I want to get at. You just said, we lost that game. My my point is, does it even did it even matter to you how good or bad Indiana was at that? I mean, clearly couldn't have mattered that much. <laughs> no, it didn't matter at all, uh, to be quite candid. Just because, you know, none of those guys were going to be there when I got there. That's the point right mm. there. Um, and I knew the guys that were going to possibly be there when I got there were all right ahead of me and had just committed. <laughs> um or we're, we're going to commit. You know, I felt good in the program in the direction that it was going. Uh, we really couldn't go any more south, so we just had to go. You know, we couldn't go any further down, so we had to go up. Right. Um, so I, I was very confident in, you know, the direction of the program. Um, and I, I just wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be a contributor. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to win a national championship at Indiana University. So we love that. Here, here's. I just have to know. I mean, Coach Cream is a bit of a crazy person. You don't have to say it. I'm gonna say it. When you re when you committed to him, I mean, when I say crazy, I mean overly emotional. When you like committed, us, he's yes, like us. He's like us. He's like a fan. When you committed with Devin, did he just lose his shit in the room? Like, what is his reaction when you tell him we are coming? Clapping? Did he clap? <laughs> No, it was like hugs all around because his whole family was there and um, we were in the coaching room in, in his office um, and it was just, everybody was like, everybody just basically lost their shit. Yeah. Yes. And it was, I mean, it was great. It was a cool, very, very, very cool moment to to have. And I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't thought about it a whole lot since um, since that day. But like just reflecting on it, it's like, a, it was a powerful powerful emotional experience for sure just because you know that was arguably one of the biggest decisions of my life and it's been you know astronomical and you know shifted the whole direction of my life and uh, in that one moment in time I've never really thought about it until you guys really just asked that question so yeah I mean it was it was a very powerful moment that is great to hear we I mean it's such from a fan's perspective we just don't ever get to be in that room. We get to hear right. post-game press conferences with players where most of them say the cliched things, which, by the way, one of the most refreshing things about you, I have to say, in all of your post-game press conferences, you always answered the question. You ne right. It never felt like you were giving us the standard kind of 
from the communications <laughs> department office. You gave us a real answer, and I always appreciate it. It's, it's partly why I love Juwan so much, too, on this year's team. He seems like a guy. Yeah. He's an adult in the room who answers real questions. So right. you've committed. It's your freshman year. Now, Cathedral, a very strong high school program. You're playing with high-level players at AAU, but you show up in Bloomington, and even though some great guys were gone, you're coming in in a top-five recruiting class, and you have the likes of of future NBA players, Noah Vonley, uh, Yogi's there, Troy Williams is there, a senior Will Sheehy. What is it like on your first day of scrimmage when you're, <laughs> you're, you're no longer playing high school ball, but you're on the court going at it with these kind of guys? I was a deer in the headlights, dude. Oh, my gosh. I was a boy among men. It was bad. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was bad. Um it was definitely a learning curve, learning experience. Uh, freshman year was tough. Um, Did she, he just come at you in practice? He seems like a oh, guy who would just coach, just try to destroy a freshman. Oh, yeah. She, she, he tries to go for the young one's throats. And he, def I mean, it was more Austin Etherington that I got paired up with in practice and stuff like that. Um, but it was just, I was just a deer in the headlights and the speed of the game and all of Coach Crean's plays and this and that. And have to know in three or four different positions just because I didn't know where, <laughs> you know, I didn't know, we didn't know what position I was going to play. And it just, you know, finding my identity and building confidence in the fact that I belong there um, was one of the biggest things, you know, that I had to adapt to. Who was your roommate freshman year? Who was my roommate freshman year? I mean, uh, come on, man! You got to start taking some of those pills that you got in the bag. You talking about on on my on the road? Or are you talking about? Like, no, no, at, at Bloomington in Bloomington. Oh, oh, I live with Devin. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Stay your mind can't be going like this. I mean, we're much older than you, and I would. <laughs> no, I remember no, 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 my no, no, roommate no, no. freshman. I could, I could tell you all my roommates, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on the road, I I couldn't tell you, but I lived with Devin in the dorms. Got it. Year. And did that friendship just continue to grow? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were. Well, they. I mean, yes and no. Um, I was kind of like, I kind of got down on myself um, just because I wasn't playing the way I wanted to, and you know, blah blah blah. So I just kind of tried to focus on my game a little bit more, focus on school, just because I was starting trying to get into business school and everything like that, and trying to graduate in three years, and um, I, don't know, I just had different different priorities than some of the other guys um i guess you could say mm, mm, yes there's a lot there isn't <laughs> Wait, there. are you are you telling me noah vonley wasn't worried about getting into the business school uh, i don't think so there's a lot of parks and recs majors so <laughs> <laughs> meaning they watch the tv show <laughs> I, yeah i do have to ask you so you were going through your own kind of personal adjustment your freshman year uh, just adjusting from, like Ward talked about, and like you said, from high school to college, you're a bit of a deer in the headlights. Mm -hmm. you, you are coming into a team that the year before was the number one team in the country for the majority of the year, number Correct. one seed, Big Ten champions. And and the leadership of that team, with the exception of Will, really goes away, all of them. Right. Cody, Jordy, Christian, and Vic, all gone. And then, and, and obviously the year isn't... It, you know, the, the team has to reset a lot. It's a very different team. And then in December, 
of your freshman year, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's December of your freshman year, Luke Fisher, who's a highly touted recruit in your class, decides to transfer. Correct. Did So that is like the first piece of team turmoil that kind of, that opened your eyes to something new, experience, a new experience in college. What was that like? Did you know it was coming? Were you disappointed? Kind of walk us through that. You know, I was indifferent about it, to be honest with you. Uh, if you want to leave, leave. I don't want you here faking that you want to be here. Yes. Um, so, I mean, we just, we just don't need you. <laughs> I mean, we weren't great. I mean, we weren't great with you. So, I mean, I'd rather be there with a bunch of guys that want to be there and are there for a reason. And I'd rather somebody not, not be there half-heartedly. He went on to do well at Marquette for himself. And um, it was probably a better move for him in the long run. But um, from my perspective, I was going move on to the, the the sun rose the next day it didn't matter to me um quite candidly i like uh, we like the honesty so so through that freshman year you're trying to find your role on the team there's some uh, highlights you guys be you know highly ranked wisconsin and michigan but the wheels finally really come off at the end you lose a bunch uh six of the last nine you don't get into the postseason and then and then you blow out your knee <laughs> So, yeah. so where where does that leave you coming off of your first year and and looking towards the the future? And and IU had just kind of it was the best team IU had had from start to finish the year before you got there, and now you guys are here left holding the bag without the leadership and a bunch of young guys and expecting to build us back up to that point. Did you did you still feel after your freshman year like yeah we can get us back up on the mountaintop, or do the doubts start to creep? creep in not just about you but about the team um my before i tore my acl my my um my hopes were like way down you know my it was it was just it was bad then i tore my acl um and that was probably like a blessing in disguise um as much as i'd hate to admit it um because i, I you know I, I played a victim you know my, my whole mindset was I'm not getting this. I'm not doing that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not, you know, I didn't put in the time that I needed to. Um, and that really changed my mindset when I tore my ACL. Cause because, you know, people were saying that I didn't belong there, that I was a waste of scholarship, blah, blah, blah. You know, I hadn't performed at all. I was, you know, it was a waste. Um, and when I tore my ACL, I controlled when I got back on the court. I got back from my torn ACL full go. Um, within six months. Yeah, it was insane, the speed at which you recovered from that. Uh, so I tore my ACL the very last practice of that year. And all the dudes took off for spring break. I took off for Indianapolis um, to go get surgery to stay home for a week or two or, or whatever after um, surgery. Then I came down that summer, um, finished school and everything and um, throughout that year. And then I came down that summer and um, I did treatment two, three times a day, rehab two, three times a day um, with Tim Garl. Stayed there the whole summer, didn't leave, was taking classes. I was the only dude on campus for a month or two out of the summer. I mean, it was just, I really took upon myself to change my mindset and not be the victim and to turn this into a positive for me um, because it was sink or swim at this point. Um, Were there any secret trips to the Netherlands? <laughs> no, there were not. No, no voodoo or anything like that. No magical anything. 
Um, Just well, hard work. Well, who sounds magical is Tim Garl. Uh, he's, so, he's somebody who keeps coming up. Would you speak to him and his importance to you through your injuries as a player and to the program? Uh, Timmy G's my guy. I love that dude. Uh, he's the cabbage man. Um, he used to hand out the per diem and whatnot, so he called him the cabbage man. <laughs> um, I, 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 I shit you not. That goes back to Steve Risley's day. They called him the cabbage man back then. That's great. It's uh, great. Uh, it, it's unreal. Well, and we do, of course, enjoy you appearing there with Steve on the podcast, The Grueling Truth. Oh, um, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, some fun <laughs> insight there. Um, but so the cabbage man, Tim Garl. Um, yeah. Literally, Colin, everybody we've talked to, A.J. Moye, A.J. Guyton, Jared Jeffries, Calbert Chaney, and now you, every single one has said, and I mean, you're talking about over the span now of 27 years, almost 30 years of players that we've talked to, everyone has said Tim Garl. When, when talking about who is the bedrock of Indiana University basketball, so Tim Garl's name is the first name that comes up. He's been there for 37 years. It's amazing. 30, 37 years. I told him, I told him, hey, Timmy G, all you do is tell us to put an ice bag on it. That's all you do. The only reason you have a job still is because I'm here. <laughs> I was the only one keeping him in business because I was hurt all the time. Yeah, Boy, I, think, I think he earned his money uh, working on uh, Al Durham the other night. That that seemed like it was going to oh, be Lord. gruesome. Yeah, that that probably wasn't. Uh, it looked like Al was in <laughs> some pretty intense pain. Tim just but went they, over there and started pulling things on his hand, put a splint on, and got him back out there. Rub some dirt on uh, it, Johnny. Rub some dirt on it. That's right. Timmy G. He said, he said, you're not dead. Keep going. <laughs> That's great. Well, we are we are working hard to get Timmy G on our show. We would love to talk to him. He's I, modest. He's modest. I know. That, that is what I hear. I hear that he will not like the spotlight. Yeah, he, he's a very, very modest guy, down to earth. He's, I mean... That's, I love that dude. That's my guy. That's great. I, I owe him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about another player in your class and one that left after your freshman year. I am just curious because, again, as a fan, we hear so much about one-and-dones. We hear so much about the player experience and what it's like for a superstar in college versus just a kind of a, a guy who's grinding it out and being a collegiate student athlete like obviously you were. But did you get a sense that there was a different set of rules for Noah, and did it bother you, and did it did anybody else on the team resent it? It didn't bother me. Um, I think there was a few other guys that, that resented it because they thought they were better than they were. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I, I was self-aware that I was not on Noah's level. I knew I wasn't a top-five pick or, or, or a lottery pick or anything like that, and um, I knew I had a lot of growing to do into, you know, the basketball player that I was going to become. Um, but there was some resentment, I, I, for sure, um, from some guys that thought they were better than they were and deserved, you know, the same quote-unquote treatment that um, Noah was getting. What was um, that difference in treatment? Um, Just little things in practice. You get away with, you know, certain drills or, you know, it's just positioning or anything like that. And part of it was because he could get away with certain positioning just because he, um, he could make up for it with his, yeah, he could get away with it. He was, he could make up for it all. Um, but I mean, I think that's the extent of the resentment and my freshman year, it was, it was a poorly, um, it quite can't, it was a poorly led team. Um, 
it's just very, very, very clicky and divided. Um, and that was essentially, in my opinion, well, other than the fact that we didn't, we weren't super talented. Um, that was the main reason that we weren't successful. Right. Because I mean, we were so divided. And look, you clearly, obviously there have been more talented teams and there were more talented teams that year in college basketball, but there was a lot of talent on your team. I mean, Noah there was, was a talent freak. Yogi Ferrell was, was coming into his own. Troy. Sheehy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sheehy was a senior. I mean, you had talent. I do want to ask you uh, for, for a little bit of levity here. I got to ask you about Stanford Robinson, because this <laughs> okay. is like a running punchline that I use on our podcast, but now I can actually talk to somebody who played with him. <laughs> I have no, I have three children. I'm 41 years old. I have known since I can remember, and all three of my children have known since they can remember what hand they are supposed to use to do certain <laughs> activities. <laughs> Stanford Robinson <laughs> is a division one college basketball player, which means he is in the top 10th of a percent of athletic ability in the world. I mean, you just are. You, you, Colin, and anybody who plays at Indiana, you are in the upper echelon. Well, easy now. And in, <laughs> in between seasons, Stanford Robinson makes the decision, I am no <laughs> longer going to shoot the basketball with my left dominant hand. I'm going to be righty? What in the hell, Colin? Walk so, me through that. So Stanford Robinson is a right-handed person by birth. Okay, why is he shooting with his left hand? His friend died when he was young, and his friend was left-handed. And so he started playing with his left hand when he was really young um, just because it was kind of his friend's thing. So this was like a Hank Gathers type of thing? I guess so. So me making fun of him all these years for that, you're, I am the worst. A dick. <laughs> I'm a dick. Yeah. I am the worst human ever. Is that is that that is you are not you are not screwing with me right now. You're not just trying to make me feel bad. That is, I really don't. No, I'm not. Oh my uh, god! You are going to burn in hell, Eric. <laughs> you're going to hell. Okay, okay, but like, I'm definitely going to hell. But then I got to know who who goes up to him and says, "Listen, I know." Back. Yeah, who says to him, like, look, we, the friend thing is really nice, and we honor his memory, but, dude, you're shooting 14% from the field. you got to go with your dominant hand. It's Buckley, right? It had to be Buckley who stepped in. Oh, it was bad. Um, well, the, the original way was all messed up anyways, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it just didn't matter. All right, so you come back quick. Wait, did you want to hit something else in the freshman well, year? No, we're going in a sophomore year, and and I want to talk about teammates. Okay, great. James Blackman Jr. comes in. Rob Johnson, uh, Nick Zeisloft comes in. But I think what the listeners really want to know is what was it like to finally share a locker room with Tim Priller? Oh God, <laughs> he's a physical specimen. That <laughs> dude. <laughs> He, he may not be the best athlete um, or the best basketball player, but that dude is resilient. Um, he put up with more crap and was probably in a university he didn't really, quote unquote, belong to, you know, um, as an athlete. But that dude embraced it. He literally put his body through the ringer, um, and he was awesome to have on and off the court, you know, as a morale type thing. It was that dude's awesome. 
was it? It's oh. fun. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's funny because you cannot fool the fans. You really can't. Right. And people become fan favorites for a variety of reasons. But at Indiana, you become a fan favorite when people know that you love being there. Like that is to to me that is the number one thing. Sure, it's about playing hard and and executing plays the right way. But if we as fans know that you love wearing the Indiana across your chest and love wearing the candy stripes and when right. it's time for you to play you give it your all, that's really all we need to turn you into a a fan favorite. And there are there have been players over the years that have kind of filled the Tim Priller role, but he really did fill it in a pretty remarkable way his four years. He is there. now the he, archetype. He was he was majestic. Tim <laughs> Priller's majestic. I love that. He's got he's got like sorcerer abilities. He's like a unicorn. All right. So we're gonna get we're now into your sophomore year, which is going to be just an amazing year uh statistically for you. But before the season starts, I have to ask you a question that I hope you can answer. Okay. Before the season starts, it's Hoosier Hysteria. It's Hoosier Hysteria, Halloween 2014, and Sage Steele is hosting the event. Do you remember this? Uh, yeah, how could I forget? Okay. So Sage Steele hosts the event, and there is a moment that I remember streaming live on Big Ten Network watching Hoosier Hysteria where Sage Steele is talking to Coach Cream, and she tries to make a comment. I don't remember the exact words, and I can't find it online. But she tries to basically say, hey, coach, we need to see you in these candy stripes. And Coach Crean wants none of it. He is not amused by it. He, <laughs> he like, shuts it down in such a horrific way that I awkward. just – do you remember that moment? I, I feel like I kind of do. And but I'm... It was so weird watching it. It was like Sage was just trying to be fun and silly. And, and he Cream, wasn't having it. He does not help us here. He did not seem to be a guy who had a great sense of humor about himself. No, he he, he didn't have a great sense of humor. No, um, it's just this way. It is what it is. Right. Um, I don't know. Full, yeah, like, full like stop. When, <laughs> when when normal jokes were made, it was just like it got kind of awkward. <laughs> I love it. You could tell. I mean, I watched every press conference the guy did. And if a joke got told, if somebody tried to be funny, it, it, it just did not. He's just, he just would, he was going a million miles a minute. He knew what he wanted to accomplish. And you weren't yep. going to derail him with a joke. With your uh, humor. He, he had an agenda at all times. Um, is this an appropriate time to ask about another awkward thing that happened involving uh, a national broadcast? Let, let, I'm not sure exactly when it happened in your career. It might have been sophomore year. Maybe it was junior. Maybe it was later. But are you aware that on a live broadcast to a national television audience that Bill Walton said, and I quote, I was the Donis of the night. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, that's all I'd remembered. But the full quote was, I love Colin Hartman. This guy comes to play. Great. Standard stuff. Then he goes, what a great body he's got. I got he, a physique. He's this statuesque, <laughs> raven-esque, Adonis of the night. <laughs> I was in great shape. I'll give him that. I, I mean, was in great shape. Yeah, yeah. And then I looked it up. I was like, I get the idea of the Adonis in the Greek mythology, but but uh, Merriam-Webster says uh, Adonis probably has strikingly fine features, low body fat, and rippling muscles. 
So what's it like when I'm sure you heard about it after the game when oh, you hear yeah. this is how Bill Walton's talking about you to a national audience? You know how many people Bill Walton probably talk about? <laughs> uh, All of my, them. That was my moment of fame. That's great. <laughs> Did your teammates just bust your balls mercilessly with that? No, they just thought he was like really weird. <laughs> I was like, who would say that? And I was like, Bill Walton. He was from the 70s, 60s and 70s. Give him a break. I have seen him at a dead show. I know I know where the weirdness comes from, and I think it involves <laughs> pharmaceuticals. Uh, you probably, oh, yeah. Some of them. Uh, Not the legal ones, though. So now to talk about a dark moment, because uh, we're about there. Halloween 2014. Your friend uh, and guy that you recru- got cr- recruited with and committed with, Devin, mm-hmm. uh, has an accident that involves right. several of your teammates. Can right. you, as much as you're comfortable with, walk us through where you were that night, wh- how you found out about it, and just those few days? Because as a fan, th- they were insane just as a fan, and I, and I'm, I, I have no connection to anything. I just right. cannot imagine the chaos that was going on in the program. Can you walk us through your personal experience there? Yeah, chaos is, is a good word for it. Um, it was tough. Um, I was I woke up. Um, I woke up to my phone just being blown up, and um, it was uh, one of the people who was not on the team who were involved um, or around there. Um, they told me that I need to get to the hospital now that Devin is, you know, not doing well. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what do you mean not doing well? So I rushed Because at this point, you had no idea. At this point, you just didn't know what happened. Correct. Okay. Um, I had no clue what was going on, you know, anything like that. So... I go over to the hospital and I walk into the room and I, you know, see Devin laying there and it's just, it's crazy. Um, seeing, you know, a kid, you know, who had, you, you, you've grown up with and played basketball with and everything be in that state. Um, it wasn't easy by any stretch of imagination. You really didn't care what anybody on the outside was going to say or what ESPN was going to write or, you know, anything like that. You just wanted him to be fine, you know, be okay. Um, just because as as fans and everything, you guys probably, you know, oh, well, we, we screwed up again. But at the end of the day, the dude's hand, the dude's life is hanging from a thread, literally. Um, and that's the only thing that we really cared about. You know, the coaches got into, obviously, um, dealing with disciplinary stuff and whatnot. But it was just... We didn't really care. That wasn't like our thought process. At least it wasn't mine. Um, it was just making sure that everybody's okay and having to like change people's mindsets because we can't have that type of thing happening happening just because you can't roll the dice like that and expect you to come out on top every time. It just doesn't happen. The odds aren't in your favor. Um, so it was just it was just tough to be around and see him like that, unconscious, basically in basically a coma. Um, and, you know, see somebody that you grew up playing with your whole life in that state. I, I, I want to ask this in, in a respectful way because I, I know nothing about what was going on. I know nothing about the interpersonal dynamics of the team. Right. But clearly some of the other players that were involved, like Hannah Perea, for example, 
did, did not make it four years at Indiana. Devin didn't make it four years at Indiana. Was there any sense, again, going through your freshman year where there was a lot of turmoil on the court, which, which is never good because that causes division and strife and stress. Was right. there, was there not, not that you saw or anybody on the team saw something like this coming, but was there a fraying of the team in your freshman year that kind of let you see like, man, this just is, you talked a little bit about that there was no leadership on the team your freshman year. Oh yeah. But did you feel like there was, when you, when you were able to get your senses about you and found out exactly what happened, were you surprised, I guess, is the question? Or did you half expect something was bound to happen? It was more of a here we go again type thing. Um, and like, all right, it's starting, you know. Um, and I think that goes back to the leadership and lack thereof um, for that team. Um, it just, it is what it is. We had terrible leaders and um, we were so divided as a team um, that it really, you know, came to life in situations like that. So I feel like it is a very big reason why we had so many people get in trouble that year. Um, it felt like every other week there was something going on, you know, negatively in the program. So um, I think that was directly reflected from, you know, the lack of leadership in that team and how, like, clicky that team was. It was very clicky, you know, classes, stayed with classes and stuff like that. And it was just, it was an overall just bad situation, bad team, bad environment, bad culture, bad everything. So it was just, it was frustrating. It wasn't surprising. Now, yeah. looking at that, because obviously you had some incredible guys leave from the year before. So now there's this leadership vacuum at the top. Is that something where your perspective now, having gone all the way through, well, you know, you were a senior twice. Uh, is that yeah. just something where you, th th on any team at any program, players have to step up or is that something where the coach it, it can the coach get involved and help sort of like okay you guys listen to this guy or bring that in or is that something that's just there amongst the players or not um in that situation with 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 how much of a clicky situation it was um that's when coach queen had to try to step in um, but quite candidly, when a coach steps in and tries, tries to take leadership of a team, um, and you have, you know, the, the disconnected that we disconnectedness that we had, you're going to have guys that are going to rebel. It's just, it's natural when, when somebody tries to take a power position, somebody's going to rebel. It just, it's inevitable. Um, and that happens. Um, and you had guys that didn't want to obey and that's when we got in trouble and stuff like that and didn't take you know, things seriously and didn't conduct themselves the right way. And um, that's when you end up on ESPN for the, all the wrong reasons. Um, and we did that a lot. It's funny that you bring up a, such a good point because as fans, we oftentimes just kind of, and it's horrible because we forget, like these are just human beings just like us. We all screwed up. And by the way, all these sanctimonious fans that go on message boards, I would oh, love yeah. to see what they were doing in college when they were smoking dope and doing drugs and drinking and getting yep. arrested. And now all of a sudden they've got this holier-than-thou attitude. Yep. Uh, righteous, all righteous. But I remember just I'll, – I'll be honest from a fan's perspective. Look, the 2000 – you know, your freshman year wasn't a good year on the court. There were no. lots of stuff – there were – 
guys that got suspended and got in trouble. It felt like cr- the 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 cream magic was wearing off, and the truth is, it seemed like it was starting to wear off in the Sweet Sixteen of Cody's year. Uh, you know, when they lost to Syracuse, it just didn't feel great. And yeah. and when then that happened with Devin, you as a fa- a lot of fans kind of go, oh well, this is just he doesn't have control of the program. This is ridiculous. These kids have no respect for Indiana. And hearing you talk about it, you do realize, I mean, these are just kids who do make bad decisions sometimes. And in this case, right. that bad decision put a kid's life in the balance. Right. And that's what it came down to. That was like the biggest concern is like these, the dudes need to understand that you're not invincible. Um, the world has consequences, whether you play IU basketball or not. You know, if, if you get hit by a car, I don't care how big you are, you will go down. You know, there will be consequences with it. If you drink and drive, there will be consequences majority of the time. And it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect all the people around you. And so it just people had the guys had this invincible mentality, this rebel mentality that just, you know, allowed for stuff to go awry. So now let's get to some better stuff, because you come back in just amazingly quick fashion, like we talked about, and you were awesome your sophomore year. I mean, some the light bulb had to go on. I mean, you talked about being a deer in the headlights your freshman year. Uh, this Your sophomore year, you were basically a 50% three-point shooter. You were blocking shots. Again, you were 14th in the Big Ten <laughs> Conference in blocks. You were blocking yeah. like a shot a game. You were playing multiple positions. What happened? Um, you know, I stopped worrying about all the outside noise. Um, I got in the gym more. Uh, Coach Buckley, before and after every practice, Coach Buckley and I would do our shooting routine. Get up a bunch of shots, make an X amount of shots uh, from X amount of um, spots and do form shooting and stuff like that. Get back to the basics and just do it every day, day in and day out, whether it was a hard practice, easy practice, whatever it was, game day. Um, just get in a, a regimen. And I just had felt like I had something to prove. Um, when I started doing my treatment for my ACLs and rehab and stuff like that, I was trying to prove everybody else wrong that I belong there. By the end of my treatment and by the beginning of the year, I had changed my mindset to where I had to prove to myself that I belong there. Hmm. Um, and I think that's what ultimately pushed me to not focus on, on scoring, not focus on all the glamour, not getting up X amount of shots in the game, not you know focusing on my minutes, but just rather focusing on doing the simple things, doing the dirty work, getting on the floor, boxing out, you know, taking charges, rotating on defense, talking on defense, sprinting the floor, things that don't show up in the stat sheet, um, but still impact the game in a large way um, if done well. Um, so that's kind of what I just shifted my focus on, and the whole rest of the game came to me. I started finding open shots. I started moving the ball more, facilitating, finding open guys, um, just making simple, simple plays and not trying to do all the flashy stuff just because that's, that's not in my game. It's not the guy. It's not the player I was and not the player I was ever going to be in college at that level. So just really focusing in on you know, how I could help the team rather than how I wanted to help the team. So you guys make it back to the tourney that year, but then as you go into your junior year, now yeah. now here we go. You wanted to be part of bringing IU back. You guys win a big Big Ten championship. You get to the tourney. 
You, you play great in the tourney with a broken wrist. Let's take take us through the junior year of of going from the depths of the program, and uh-huh. then and then getting back up to the heights of where we all want the the Hoosiers to be. Yeah, I mean, junior year was the most fun I ever had. Um, it was great. Obviously, winning is always better than losing. Um, but it was great just because the camaraderie and the the tight knit. Um, nature of that team it was just it was unlike anything i've been a part of really um it felt like my senior year in high school when we went to the state championship we were a really really close team there were no clicks everybody hung out with everybody um and is this now because you are becoming a leader and some of the other guys who went through the dark times are are upperclassmen and now you're providing the leadership well and and i think that I mean, the biggest leader on that team was Yogi Ferrell. Sure. Yeah, he's a pretty good one. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it was Yogi had made the decision because he had dabbled in, you know, the NBA. That was the first time you could kind of test the waters and kind of feel out everything and stuff like that, Um, I think. And he decided to come back. Um, And I think he decided to come back because he wanted to win at Indiana first. Um, and I think he changed his leadership style and his mentality of rather than getting 30 a night and trying to get the NBA, I'm going to get my 20 and 10, 20 and 8, 20 and 10 being assists and, you know, get to the NBA that way and help this team win. And that's when his mentality changed on holding people accountable. He was more efficient in holding people accountable um, just because the dude did what he was supposed to do day in and day out the way it was. Um he led by example, but I don't have the physical capabilities of Yogi Ferrell. So, so part uh, of leadership is, in fact, just how good of a player you are. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it harder to be a leader when you aren't the guy getting 20 and 10? Like, do the teammates respect the little things that don't show up in the stat sheet as much as you know that they are valued? Or do, is it just harder to, to be the leader when you're not the guy stuffing the stat sheet? The smart, guy, the smart teammates respect the little things. Um, they do because those things, if you have a good coaching staff, get pointed out in film. And those things are essentially going to save the guy who doesn't respect them is going to save their ass because when you get blown by on the baseline and I take a slide over and take a charge for you and save your ass, then, you know, that's going to directly reflect on you because if I were to let him go and dunk it, then you know, then that stuff, it comes back on you. So guys who are smart and understand the game is holistic, not just do your job, that's it, you know, Mm -hmm. or get get points, get rebounds, whatever. If you you move as a unit and respect everybody's job, then, yeah. But I think Yogi, he did his job. But I think if you're going to really take hold of a team, and and I think it's one of the things with this team now is the vocal – part of being a leader um that's when yogi really flipped the switch and started challenging people in practice vocally challenging people vocally in the film room um and just really taking over that team and i think that was the biggest key to our success is when yogi decided to take that next step as a leader wow i have to ask you about a little thing you're talking about the things that don't show up in the statute anybody who followed indiana basketball when tom crean was the coach heard endlessly 
about deflections. Deflections. They're big, dude. They're big. So you you are a believer in the deflection statistic. They tell a story, dude. Do they tell yeah, an they important do. story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is the story it tells. Um, purely activity. Defensive activity, defensive energy, um, defensive pressure. Um, and it translates. It directly translates. The teams that – the games that we had high numbers of deflections, we had transition points. They had lower shooting percentages. Um, we had more defensive rebounds. They had less offensive rebounds. So just because of the energy and the activity around the defense when you're focused on getting your hand on the ball, um, it, it is amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, so you, you uh, saw a direct correlation between high deflections and you know wins and losses, basically. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Because Cream got crushed for that by every fan. Well, I'm, I'm, oh. well, well, and I'm glad you told us the story behind it because that that is it's somewhat, you know, everything this far into the future. You look back at those phrases, those things that stick with you and deflections become somewhat of a of a punchline. But to really get into the the wonkish nature of like, OK, why? Why did a guy who was at one of the biggest programs in the history of the game, why was he harping on that in every press conference? And you'd never get that level of detail into why. And now we yeah. all know. So. so so, now let's get to the NCAA tournament. Oh because boy. here's what's incredible <laughs> about your team that year that gets totally overlooked. Your team that year won a Big Ten title, like we said at the beginning, only the second title in 14 years for Indiana. Kind of a big deal. And big deal. <laughs> and, and a better record. A better record than the Cody, Vic, Jordy, Christian team in the Big Ten. They were 14 and four. You were 15 and three. You had yep. the best record for an Indiana team in about, I don't know, like it's, since Cheney. Since Cheney. 17 yeah, and 25 one. 25 years. I mean, it was like an, an insane, you know, number of years. Maui didn't go so well that year. No. And that, that probably is what depressed your seed going into the tournament, right? Yeah. Because you didn't have those marquee non-conference wins. And so you Correct. go into the tournament at a seed. I think you had the five seed, right, in that tournament? I can't remember. Something like that. But, yeah. And you're matched up with Kentucky in the <laughs> second round. Wait, but shouldn't we mention first that against Chattanooga, you played, what, twenty minute, 21 minutes, eight points, five assists, four rebounds, three steals, a block, and you had a broken a wrist? broken freaking wrist. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was crazy. <laughs> what, what were you that doing? That crazy. Yeah, walk us through. You broke your wrist in the Big Ten tournament, and then why did you continue to play? Timmy G rubbed some dirt on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I went, I mean, we went and talked to a bunch of docs and stuff like that, and they were like, well, it's going to hurt like hell, but it ain't going to get any worse. So if you can stand it, you can go. And so um, it definitely hurt like hell. Um, but we um, – coach said, I mean, I, I just want to do his best of the team. That's all I want to do. And if I could help, great. If I couldn't, that's fine too. I just – you know, it was a great team, and I just was happy to be a part of getting us there at least. And when the doctors told me it wouldn't make anything worse, and Coach Green had a lot of faith in me to facilitate and still be in the right place on defense and still – you know, make a difference in the game. Uh, it, it gave me a lot of confidence as a player to have a coach that had that much belief in me um, to still play even when my what I do is shoot, A, and B, my right wrist is broken. 
um, and several ligaments are torn. So it's, it was a matter of just having that confidence in Coach Crean and my teammates building that confidence in me to still believe in me to play um, and be productive, not just be present. And you, um, you were, I mean, you were finishing with your left hand in ways. I remember seeing you in the post spinning to, you know, over your right shoulder and, and putting it, putting it in with the left hand, really nice touch. And I don't that. remember that being part of your game before that, or at least not a game that you, you were displaying. It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible well, to watch. And, and it should note that if I have even like a, a mild headache due to like barometric pressure, I'm out. I'm, d- yeah. I'm done for a couple hours. Ward, I'm, I'm out. Ward stubbed his toe when he sat down for this interview and wanted me to call you and cancel it. I mean, I, just to push it, just to reschedule. Yeah. Rain check. Rain check. So then talk to us about Kentucky. You're yeah. playing against Kentucky. I hate them. Ward hates them. We all do. We hate them with such a passion. Yep. Let me ask you this. Did you hate them? Oh, yeah. Good. Mm. Good. Yeah. Good. So what, oh, what's yeah. the mindset going into the game, during the game? What's, what are you guys talking about in the locker room? Well, we knew the NCAA, we knew the March Madness did this on purpose, putting us on the same side of bracket. That was yep. a no-brainer. Um, that was going to make money. Um, and I think that game was more viewed than the national championship game in the previous four or something like that. Wow. It was crazy. The number, I, I'd be interested to hear the numbers on that again, but it was something like that. Um, definitely great ratings. Um, but... Um, what was the question? Sorry, just just talk us through the mindset going into that game, knowing that you know you feel a little screwed with the lower seed than you deserved, and now they're right. putting you against Kentucky, who obviously stocked full of talent again. They didn't yeah. have their best year as far as record, but they had a ton of NBA talent oh, on yeah. that team. And here you guys come, and and what what are you feeling going into that game? Why not us? I mean, we were such a tight knit group that. Um, we believed in each other. We, I quite candidly wanted to win for the seniors. I mean, I wanted to win for myself, but I wanted to win for the seniors. I knew this was their last, that was our last year. Um, and I wanted to win for them. Um, it was just a different feeling. It was a different, different team mentality. It was truly a group of guys that, you know, just wanted the best for each other. Um, and we we said, why not us? They're gonna we're gonna, we're here to play the game. Why not kick their ass? Yes. <laughs> so I mean, it was. Can I can I ask you a quick question in context of the Kentucky game, but really that season? OG Ananobi, who was a freshman that year, who at the uh-huh. beginning of the year really wasn't sniffing the court, and and probably had a little bit of deer in the headlights, like you did your freshman year, like many college athletes do. Right. But then you cut to the Kentucky game, which is just a few months later. He's guarding Jamal Murray one on one at the three point line and blocking his jump shot. Do, He's a freak. Do, yeah. What talk us through just watching OG from the beginning of that year through the end? I mean, that dude. I mean, he he's just a physical specimen. Um. And he started to get comfortable with his body and get comfortable with the speed of the game and his movement of his body and everything like that. And he just exploded. I mean, he had, he's built like Kawhi Leonard. He's long, athletic, explosive. Um, short shorts. A, short shorts. Short shorts gave him superpowers. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't teach that. That's just God given, you know, and it's, for him to have that and actually use it and enhance it and, you know, harness it, it's 
it was great for that team. And especially at that point in time for him to blow up as a defensive stopper. And, you know, it didn't hurt us at all. <laughs> right. Uh, you beat Kentucky. It is just joyous occasion for every Indiana fan because there is obviously beating Purdue is is top tier and beating Kentucky is top tier in the tournament in the tournament it's just to yeah, get to the sweet 16 yeah it and, and only yeah and only the third sweet 16 that indiana had made in i mean what 25 years again and you're the big 10 champs yeah it, it is coming off of that game going 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 home that night from from knowing you defeated them you're going to the sweet 16 was it yeah this is why i came to indiana this, oh, hell yeah. this is what I wanted to be a part of. Oh, 100%. Winning, running and making runs in the tournament and beating teams like Kentucky and winning rivalry games and winning that big, big national TV games. I mean, that's what I went there for. I mean, that's what players should go there for. It's You will play on national television every single night. You will be exposed if you don't play well. <laughs> um, but you will play on national television every night and have the opportunity to you know, build your brand and represent a university and win games at a very, very, very high level and get to the next level if you want. Um, but that's what I, that's what I went there for. I was living the reason I went there. Uh, I'm pretty sure we won the national championship that year and that's how that year ended. And we don't need to right. talk about it how great, it ended. It just, it ended. And then we went yeah. away and then we, we came minutes. back and then uh, let's talk, let's touch briefly on the 2016-17 season. The roller coaster continues. And let's just set a little bit yeah. of context here overall. And I'm going to just kind of set the scene for anybody that doesn't remember, although most people listening to this do. But you obviously have knee surgery, and you're going to be out for the year. We start out that season very hot. We beat yeah. two top five teams in the non-conference, Kansas and North Carolina. I do not remember a time when Indiana beat two teams of that nature in a non-conference. Even we were just talking to Calbert Cheney, who in his best year lost to Kansas and Kentucky in the non-conference season and were ranked number yeah. one throughout most of the year. So it was remarkable the beginning of that year. Then, obviously, you're hurt. OG gets hurt. Blackman yeah. gets hurt. The team, the wheels come off again. There is a just feverish call for Tom Crean's head uh, that builds throughout the year. How can you just kind of walk us through big picture what that year was like? Well, and and to cap the season, it is it is that you go from beating two top five teams to losing in the first round of the NIT, right? Well, highest okay. of highs to lowest lows, and you you're basically watching it all from the rehab table. So we we'd love to right. get your perspective. It's tough. Um, you know, it's hard. I've never been in that situation before um, where I couldn't physically be on the court. Um, I had to be a leader from the bench, which is weird and very hard to do. Um, and I understood it, but, um, like as a player, no, you, you really don't accept a lot of people climbing up into your, your grill and getting after you. If you're not, if they're not out there doing the same thing you're doing, you mm -hmm. know, going through what you're going through. Um, and I understood that. And, um, it was just hard to get through to these guys because I knew I know I needed to kind of convey my message a different way than I would have if I was running the sprints and in the games and making the same mistakes and whatnot. Um, but it was hard to kind of navigate that, and it was just it was demoralizing. Guy after guy after guy getting hurt and um, losing games that we shouldn't lose, and um, 
it was just it was tough. It was a t- very very tough season. So let's cut to the end of the season because I think you'd probably agree that Halloween 2014 was, from a team perspective, about as dark as it could possibly get. From a human being yeah, perspective. Yeah, from a human level. And, <laughs> and then cut to a couple years later, and now, and obviously you're, you're, you've got a decision to make. You've been out the whole year with an injury. The team is in turmoil. The administration decides to fire Coach Crean. What is going on in your head during that time? Did you, again, I'm going to ask a question that you can either answer or not, but did you? Fe- did the team feel like it's time for a change here, that this is just not going to work going forward? Uh, how, what was going on in your guys' heads? Um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if we – I didn't really have a whole lot of an opinion. Um, at that point, I, I, I didn't know whether I was going to stay or leave. Um, so, I mean, I just was kind of interested in what was going to happen. Um, I, I mean, I figured that from an alumni perspective and from, you know, a business perspective as Indiana university, I figured that the change would be made, um, just because of how high the, the, the turmoil and, and the, you know, the anger <laughs> had risen to, um, at that point, but I, I really didn't have a preference either way. Um, I was just focused on what I was going to do next. Um, just cause my whole career and life and everything was up in the air as well. So speaking of your life and your future, we can all agree that probably the best thing that came out of your first senior season happened, oh, happened on senior night. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> And for for the listeners who 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 aren't uh, aware, I'm sure they all are. You asked your longtime girlfriend and IU cheerleader Haley to marry you that night, senior night, at the end of your speech in front of the Hoosier faithful. Why did you decide to do it that night in that venue in in front of that crowd? Now I'm going to preface this with we are not together. Oh. But don't feel bad. Don't oh, feel bad. So don't feel bad. I am no, no, no. so happy that was Ward because it takes me it takes me off the hook for the Stanford shit. <laughs> I, I saw Eric stick his foot in his mouth and I wanted to help him out. Thank so you. I did I put both feet in my mouth. Um, no, you guys are totally good. Good. Okay. Uh, Give us the revisionist history on that night though. Um, I mean it was it was an awesome night. I was the only senior. If I wasn't the only senior, I wouldn't have done it. Um, you were just, uh, you were being like, this is what I do for a living, but you were being a television producer. You were like, we need a moment. We need something yeah. in this season. We need some moral raising. <laughs> yeah. We some need a morale boost. Here. We need a morale boost. Oh my gosh. So I tried to do something and, um, I don't know. It was fun. I mean, it was, you know, a lot of people were, were calling it the highlight of the season, which probably isn't the best thing for a basketball team. It was though. It was a great yeah. moment. Okay, it, was, so, it was a great moment. It's phenomenal. So did, uh, did you end up getting married? No. Okay. So so, no. so did you stay together through? You you've got to let us know now. Like what what oh, what what happened? <laughs> what happened, Colin? This is turning into a very different podcast. Yeah, this isn't E News. This yeah. isn't E News. If I have um, to be honest, that's where my wife works. So that's probably where this is coming from. That's where it's coming from. Um, long story short, we just decided long term it wasn't gonna you know, workout wasn't for the best and, um, no sense in dropping thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a wedding that, you know, 
I don't know. I didn't feel like giving her half my shit. Is that? There... <laughs> 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 I love it. All right. Is, so, there, is there somebody who's going to have, have your shit now, or are you still a single guy? Are you a knight of the uh, Adonis? I am actually. I'm actually dating uh, an amazing woman. Uh, her name's Allie, and um, we actually just moved in together. And nice. um, she's she, phenomenal. Where'd she go to school? She went to IU. Yes. Yeah, there yes. you go. Okay, good. It does the, have a happy ending. Yes, it's good. Yeah, she's three and a half years older than me. I nice. like an older woman, but yes. um, she's. I mean, she's amazing. She loves sports. I mean, she worked for the NFL for a couple years, and. Um, so she's she's learning basketball like slowly it. but surely. Shout out to Allie. All right. Allie's so great. Tom Crean is fired. Mm-hmm. Archie Miller is hired. Mm-hmm. You've still got a decision to make. What is your first meeting like with Archie? What tips the scales for you to stay and come back for your twenty seventh year at Indiana? And, and, <laughs> and for context, OG, James Blackman Jr. and Thomas Bryant gone. Do leave. Mm-hmm. So right. take it. So take you, us through you, that hole. You have to know it's going to be a rough year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the main the main reason um, I was just I was still doing my rehab with Timmy G and everything like that, and um, just kind of seeing how that process was going and how my knee was was adjusting and progressing. But. I mean, Coach Miller called me after he got hired, um, and I think this is one of the reasons I respect him the most. He called me and he said, "He said, hey, Colin, this is Archie Miller." I was like, "Oh, great," because I didn't have his number. I was like, "Hey, Coach, nice to meet you." Um, he was like, "Look, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Um, we'd love to have you, but we don't need you. Um, the team would be better off with you. You were the first person I've called since I've been hired." Um, Again, we'd love to have you. We think you'd be a great asset to this team as a leader and a good, you know, bridge between the coaching staff and the players. Um, and, but once again, we, I mean, we would absolutely love to have you. But then again, we, we don't need you. Um, so we want to make sure that you want to be here um, and are fully committed to this team and this program and not, you know, looking at next steps. We want you fully present. Wow. So that was, it was, it was, I was like, because it was there was no favoritism at any, you know I was I was stepping into an environment where I had to earn my keep again, which I was completely fine with. I don't want I didn't want to handouts at any point in time. Obviously, there was going to be a respect level because I had you know given so much to the university, you know, physically um, and time wise, um, and, and a mutual understanding. Um, but I did not expect anything, you know, playing time. And he never promised anything playing time. And I knew that going in. And um, I just wanted to leave Indiana University on my own terms. Um, and I wanted to leave without having any opportunity for me, you know, like I am now or five years from now or 10 years from now, looking back, like, damn, I had one more year to wear that jersey and those candy stripes and represent that university and run onto that court. And I, I didn't take it. And people would literally kill for the one opportunity to do that. And I had a whole nother year to, to do that. And I want to, I want to, I want to put what you just said on a t-shirt. I mean, that is what, that is just music to IU fans. This IU fan specifically, it's music to my ears (laughs) because we love the program so much that 
it's hard for us to understand when somebody does leave. And sure, we all understand, okay, you've got to do what's right for you and you've got to make your money and move on with your life. But man, if any of us who have very little uh, to no ability athletically can uh, could suit up for Indiana, it, it's hard to imagine not taking the opportunity to do that. Right. So, to, so the new regime comes in, and you decide to 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 be a part of yet another new era, a new build of the program. What is it like day to day? The difference from going from Crean's practice schedule, which we heard there wasn't a schedule. Wait, we got to ask: Is that true? Is that yes. true? You, you yeah. so you would wake up on a Tuesday, and yep. you would not know what time practice was. Correct. We didn't even know if we had the day off till about five o'clock. Five o'clock p.m. Yeah. We, so we all be sitting there waiting by our phones, waiting for a text. And we get a text, hey, hope you enjoyed your day off. <laughs> oh, Colin, Colin. Oh. Let's just level with it. That is insanity. Right? You're, you're preaching to the choir, my man. So I, I got to just back up for a second here. You met Coach Crean or at least had some uh, interaction with him when you were in eighth grade. I mean, you're like 13 years old. Yeah, and then you, and you, you build your relationship with him over the next five years, basically. And then mm-hmm. you you continue to have a relationship with him until you're like 21, 22. Did your relationship sour with him over the four years? Did you tire of the stuff that maybe you thought was a little intoxicating at the beginning, the 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 hype, the energy, and even that kind of stuff, the schedule stuff? Where where did it end with you and Coach Cream? Um, it, it was it was you know, basically a, it was kind of a salty taste in my mouth just with. Um, I don't know, just how certain things were handled and, you know, the schedule was conducted and it just, it wasn't what I thought college would be. And I think that's why I had this preconceived notion in my head about how college was going to be awesome. We were going to have a schedule and we were going to be like independent, blah, blah, blah. But there's very little room for independence when you have no clue where your schedule is or where you're going or when it's going to be. It's a guessing game. I mean, there were several times I would go out on a date or go to the movies or whatever, and I would get a text and have to turn around mm. and go to practice or go to film or whatever it was. And it was just, it got very old very fast. Um, were, it, it did leave a salty taste. Were you there when a recruit named Goodluck Okonobo was being recruited? Yeah. Is it true that players on the team told Goodluck, do not come to Indiana because this dude is crazy? I don't know. Okay, I could see. I could. I mean, I, I, I could see some of the guys saying that, but I don't, I'm not sure. Why did you say yeah in a really dramatic way when I asked you if you were there for Good Luck Open Okanobo? Just because official, like, like those were like, I hated like because all of the whole because I, 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 my commitment, my recruitment was very. You know, not flashy. I, I mean, I decided really early, and I didn't do an announcement thing or anything like that. And this is like when everything I felt like was starting to be very, you know, publicized, and everybody turned it into theatrics and whatnot. Um, and this is when like coaches really had to start catering to these players and their families, and it was just getting pressure from the assistant coaches to be a certain way. Um, and conduct yourself the way and you know it was just it was exhausting and it's annoying just you either want to be here or you don't you either want to win or you don't you know it's 
it's either a fit or it's not just be who you are because if the coaches aren't who they normally are day in and day out you're going to get here and be extremely unhappy and that's going to reflect on the court and on off the court and stuff like that and that's what you get when you don't have a coaching staff or you don't have a player who's acting the way that they act every single day and that's the sense you got from at times with our coaching staff was that they were putting on a different face for certain recruits. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I guarantee every, every program does it. Well, let's, let's move forward to the different program now because Archie is there and walk us through what it was like being in an Archie practice and what it was like. I mean, you were there for the Romeo Langford recruitment. Yeah. Um, Walk us through the differences there. I mean, the thing is, like, all the guys were the same. All the coaches were the same. All Coach Miller was always the same every day. Um, he just gave, you know, Romeo attention, but it wasn't like, like, oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo. It was like, you know, a genuine recruitment, if that makes sense. It does. Um, they seem like grinders. Archie seems like a grinder. He is. He's gritty. He grinds. And when it's business, it's business. And 90% of the time, it's business. <laughs> um, but but we hear he, he, he can have a good time, too. That we, oh, we, yeah. yeah That's tell why us, he's relatable. Yeah, tell us more about that. Because we saw a glimpse when he was hanging out with Coach Cal at a high school game that was on a different podcast where he was just looked like he was having the time of his life. But his public face is very much a serious one. So give us, yeah, give us a little taste of the fun, Archie. He, I mean, he's a good dude. He can get down. Um, the dude, he's super cool dude. He's actually one of his best skills is ping pong. He's an unreal ping pong player. Nice. Um, So he's a person, he's a human being. You can, he can shut off basketball. Um, and that's one of the best things because he's a, he was a player too. Um, and he understands that nobody wants to talk basketball all day, every day. You know, you want to know your players and, and your teammates to a, a level that doesn't invo- involve, you know, a ball and a hoop. You know, you want to know who they are as people and how they operate and what moves them and motivates them, um, you know, so you can connect with them and have better cohesiveness. And I think that was a great thing that Coach Miller did was being relatable um, and I think that being an athlete at this level really prepared him to mesh with guys at this level. Right. It's it definitely it definitely plays in his favor recruiting, as you can tell. Sure, it seems to be working. So I've got yeah. to talk to you about your second senior season real quick. Okay. Um, I, I have to tell you, just from I've watched basketball for a lot of years, Colin. I've watched a lot of Indiana players come and a lot of Indiana players go. And from from the uh, cheap seats, it seemed like it was pretty clear you were playing this year without your full physical health. I, I have no idea <laughs> the number of things you were going through. Clearly, there were a lot. Yeah. But you seemed so determined that you were going to finish this season. If you could play three minutes in a game, you were going to play three minutes in a game. Yeah. I, I will remember your senior season for a couple moments not the least of which is the first game that because you were you were out the first couple games of that year, right? Right. And then you came in and you drilled a three like r- almost right away. It and was it, my first trip down. Yeah. Yes, and it just felt so, from a fan's perspective, it just felt we knew we weren't going to be that good that year. 
but you were the bridge to this kind of new era. You were this guy who represented Indiana the way that connected you to guys like A.J. Moye and Jared Jeffries and other Calvert Chaney and A.J. Guyton, guys that, that we really admired and respected over the years. And it just felt so good to just see you out there with this new era that we all hope will be the next 20 years of Indiana basketball. Yeah. And then the Notre Dame game, which was probably the biggest win of the year um, for the team, and you drilled two threes in that game in a game that was nip and tuck. Uh, walk us through what, what that year was like for you. It had to have been a, a mental and physical grind. Yeah, it was um, it was mentally and physically, like you just said, kind of exhausting. Um, obviously, not winning games and knowing that you're not going to go out on the the terms that you wanted to. Um, you know, you're not winning a whole lot of games, but I mean, it really just came down to me controlling what I can control. Um, and at that point in time, it was dedicating myself to the team. You know, playing when I playing when I. Um, was asked to play and playing the positions I was asked to play and, you know, just do my job, whatever was needed for the team. I know I had limitations and um, deficiencies in my game and just had to really mentally prepare myself for, you know, not a great season to be completely candid with you. It was not easy, not easy. And it, it really changed me as a person. Uh well, I think in terms of uh, one of the highlights of the season for Eric and I, where we got to go back to Bloomington early in that season and watch you guys take down Eastern Michigan early on. <laughs> now, the reason the I, powerhouse Eastern Michigan, this hey, is hey, man, <laughs> there have been games over the last several years that where one, not always a gimme. Yeah, Eastern Michigan oh, is me, not I know a I've gimme. been on those teams, <laughs> <laughs> but but the reason it's so crucial, I bring up that game. It's more importantly what happened that night. Uh, we were there with several other people. I went to the Bluebird that night with a couple other gentlemen and across the way listening to live music. I swear it was you. They that done. They said it wasn't you. I said that is clearly Colin Hartman. Yeah, this is the, been man, a two year the debate. man. The man is a six foot six Adonis. You think there's a second <laughs> one of those Adonis walking of around? The night. What's Adonis, that? Adonis of the night. Adonis the of the night. Yeah, and it was at night. So, so that yeah. was you. You were there. It looked like maybe with some family, right? Um, I don't know. I got a lot of close friends down there. Um, might well, have, might have been there with well, Allie. No, you know, no, 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 no. Because no. okay. you, I'm guessing your mother <laughs> no. is also tall, right? Yeah, my mom's five eleven. Yeah, I, I, I. Anyway, it was you, whoever you were with, where there with. I, they've been busting my chops about this ever since that game, claiming I just wanted you to be there, not that I actually <laughs> saw you there. So thank you I for that. Too. Good. Yeah, he was there. Done. So the senior year goes. Um, it's a grind. <laughs> Uh, obviously a lot's going on with the future of the program that year because Archie is trying to lay the groundwork on his... Oh, I, I've got to ask this. We're wrapping up, I promise, but I have to ask this. The pack line defense. Okay. So everything I read, I, I know everybody's talking about it. It takes so long for the pack line defense to be instituted into a program. It could take up to two years for a player to really learn the pack line. Is that true? It's, hard. it's tough. It's not easy, especially when you have been taught differently your whole life um you know i mean it's a little thing but the biggest learning curve for me really defensively was um you know which way you fit you force a player whether, whether it's baseline or middle 
and there's two different philosophies and it's just that's the biggest thing just because you're so hardwired to close out you know top side or bottom side and you have to completely change your footwork um it's just it's little things like that that it's it's not overnight thing it's not an overnight thing and people who have never played basketball at this level can they in my opinion you don't really have a whole lot of say just because you've never had to hardwire your body one way and then change it you're exactly Uh that's why i wanted to ask you so walk us quickly without getting too much into the weeds in in basic terms the pack line forces you to to drive a player where so basically the pack line um basically tries to keep the ball out of the lane um you don't want them to get paint touches, um, stuff like that. So it's you use the baseline as a defender, um, but you don't chase people outside of the three-point line. You basically make people make tough shots, pull up twos um, with hands in the face, um, and make them shoot long threes. You know, um, keep guys out of lane, stop penetration, so you can have a quicker closeout. Um, just a lot of things. I'm not going to get into the weeds about. Sure, it, like you sure, said, no, but, I get it. Um, but it's very intricate and a lot of things that if if I were to color commentate a a, uh, a pack line defense versus you know uh, a, a get after you scramble defense, you would see the crazy drastic de- differences in the defenses and the interest intricacies and in why players are doing what they're doing and why the coaches go certain routes more than others so that learning curve a lot of it is an unlearning curve and is that something we can expect with freshmen coming in they've been taught another way or no way at all and that it's just going to take time and hopefully there's upperclassmen that can help speed them along um i don't think that it'll take the freshmen as long because you know in high school you're not really taught a whole lot of defense anyways and at least not at this level you're not hardwired for it okay um, and it's easier because you're having practice every day, all summer, you know, it's just different. I don't think that the freshman coming in and then, um, we'll have as hard as a time as we did as being hardwired four years in a row, having to change all of that. So I think that the learning curves will start happening sooner as they get three, four years under their belts, who, like seniors and juniors, um, that have three or those four years, we'll be able to coach those you know, help facilitate and move those freshmen along much faster. So as a, as getting to the end here, <clears throat> how good of a coach is Archie? And is he the guy that's going to get us to where we all want to get to? I believe it. Um, it's another big reason why I came back. Um, I think that he is. I, I, I think that he's him and his staff and his beliefs and, you know, him as a person, his, him as a coach, I believe he will. Um, I have faith. If you don't have faith, then why are you an IU fan? <laughs> right. Because at this point, <laughs> right. I mean, you're just looking at it, just being, you know, negative Nancy or whatever you want to call it. Um, why not have faith? Why not have faith and, you know, support the team and everything like that? That's the way I look at it. And I, I knowing him and his staff and his end goal, he has all intentions of being there forever and winning championships. I just have to ask you, this may be a tough question, but okay. if we were having this conversation in 2016 when you were in the Sweet 16 against North Carolina and just beat Kentucky, if I had sat down with you right then and said, you think Tom Crean is the guy who's going to win championships at Indiana, what would your answer have been? 
No. Wow. Mm. I I don't know. I just the direction that because it was I was a that was a team as a player led team. I don't know. There's just a lot of players that had gone through the the process and gone through the system that was coach Creens and it just the way that players were starting to be nowadays with wanting you know to be pampered and I say nowadays like I wasn't there last year. No, but but, but you know what? It's changed. I mean, it, it is changing drastically. Social media is changing the way recruiting goes and the way people want attention. It's just, I mean, I don't think that that would have worked out. And, and Colin, Ward and I were talking about this yesterday, and when I went over all the commitments that you were a part of, you committed several years before you came to Indiana, and a lot of those players did, like Blackman and Lyles, now, that they, they did back out of those commitments, and some of them recommitted, but... That doesn't happen anymore. I mean, it's just a no. few years ago. It's like the world has changed, and social media has been a huge part of, of what has led that for sure. Yeah, it definitely has, and I, that's why. I mean, that's that that's a big role in why I don't think it would have. Got it. Back. I I want to ask one final sort of all encompassing question before we let you go. You were nominated two years in a row as Indiana's Big Ten Sportsman Honoree. You were known as the glue guy, as a leader. What what was it about your approach to the game of basketball and and probably something you're taking forward in your life that gets that honor bestowed on you twice? What's your outlook on the game and what would you recommend these young kids who are just posting about themselves on Instagrams? How should they look at the game if they're going to go play for Indiana University? I mean, you have an opportunity to – I mean, I have a different outlook on it just because – I mean, I'm from Indiana. I know what it means. I know what it means to people. I know how blessed I was and how lucky, quite candidly, I was to be able to wear that jersey and be in those locker rooms and be in those facilities and, you know, have that impact on people. I see it differently than people. Um, And I don't know if, you know, even kids from Indiana really see what it is anymore just because we haven't been to where like you guys were saying we haven't been great in so long and so kids nowadays their parents don't even really you know really remember they weren't you know i mean we haven't won since what 80 87 87 that's 32 years that's what i'm saying so like it's it's getting further and further away and i think that social media is really tainting people overall live nowadays. Um, and I think that a lot of these kids are going to lose, unfortunately, the rich history that Indiana has um, and what it stands for. You know, because a lot of kids want to get on, they get see commitment posts and everything like that for likes and comments and approval and this and that, when in reality, it should be for you and it should be for your family and it should be for this program. It shouldn't be for everybody else in the world. Well, as long as there are people like Colin Hartman growing up in the state of Indiana, and as long as Archie Miller recruits those players and they come to Indiana, I'm pretty confident that we're going to build a new history for Indiana at this point going forward. And you were a huge part of bridging the gap from one era to another. And Colin, I know we had talked about only talking for an hour. I think we've blown through that. Oh, you're good. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. It is so fun to talk to you. 
uh, I'll hit you up on social media. <laughs> but uh, but also at, for approval. Yeah, that's right. Good. I need a like. I need a follow. Uh, we're trying to build something <laughs> I here. Need that endorphin pop. But uh, we, we, we are so happy for you and your success. We wish you nothing but success in pharmaceutical sales. We wish you nothing but success with Allie. Hi, Allie. Thank and if you. You, hey, by the way, if you want to propose to her on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast, we're all for it. We'll do that. All right, I'll give you guys a call. Yeah, yeah we'll do a live video <laughs> feed for that one. Uh, Colin, thanks so much, man, and good luck to you and your family. I appreciate you guys. Take it easy. Well, that was super fantastic. What a good, fun, interesting, smart dude to talk to. And... So great that we both stepped in it. And he didn't get that mad at us. He was cool about it. I mean, how embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Yours was worse. Yours was worse. No. you. Yours you, involved death of, a, of, of a, friend. a friend. Yours involved just destroying love. No, no. The love was destroyed. I just brought it up. Yeah. So much worse than death. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Really good time with Colin. Great to have him on. Love hearing his honesty. You know what else is great? Being on Peaks. It's just, it couldn't be better. We're, we're on Peaks, dude. Where else are We've we? We've made it. We have. You know nowhere where else to, we are? Nowhere to go but down. We're on Twitter. Twitter. At Hoosier Hysterics. Hysterics. No vowels and hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Please email us. Hoosier Hysterics at gmail.com. Please check into Peaks.com every day, many times a day. We'll be putting up new podcast episodes on the Peaks website and through the Peaks channel and through the Peaks platform, uh, podcast platform. Peaks, 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 Peaks. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.